The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. My name, of course, is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Let's get right to it with injuries and transactions. If you haven't heard already, Mike Trout is targeting a return Friday in Detroit, so you can start firing him back up in your lineups as long as he doesn't have a setback. Max Fried and Luis Patino have been activated by their respective clubs, the Braves and the Rays, to make starts today. So those are guys you can think about, but you want to watch out because they are just off the IL. More on Patino a little bit later. Tyler Molly, who the Twins acquired at the deadline, is undergoing a precautionary MRI after leaving his start early with shoulder fatigue. Not great, but hopefully it's not too serious. Taiwan Walker had an MRI in his back, and while it came back clean, his status for Sunday is still questionable. So if you're counting on him on that Sunday start, get ready to have a backup plan in mind. Nathan Avaldi has also been scratched from today's start with neck and shoulder soreness. More on his replacement at the end of this podcast. Elvis Andrus was released by the A's to make room for the return of Sheldon Noisy, who was hot earlier this year, though probably isn't a priority add in most leagues. Clay Holmes also hit the IL yesterday, likely putting a Roldis Chapman in line for saves for the Yankees. Not that they've had a lot of opportunities of late. Speaking of Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton should be starting a rehab assignment sometime this weekend, and he could return sometime towards the end of next week. Bryce Harper will hopefully be able to start a rehab assignment next Tuesday, and that gives him a chance to return before September. I realize they're both probably going to be starting rehab times at the same time between Harper and Stanton, but Harper having been gone so long, he'll need a longer rehab assignment. So I'm right now hoping that he's here before September, and it might even be a little bit earlier than I anticipated. The hot-hitting Luis Rangifo was removed from Wednesday's game with back tightness. We'll keep an eye on that. He has been very hot in the month of August. Brandon Marsh is day-to-day with a bone bruise in his knee and a sprained ankle, even if he's able to play that's probably going to really hamper his stolen base ability, making him really tough to roster in most formats. Larry Garcia is added to the long list of injured White Sox as he hits the IL with a lower back strain. Speaking of those White Sox, Luis Robert is also dealing with wrist soreness and he received an injection to help combat the issue. Consider him day-to-day for now. Joey Votto, unfortunately, is going to have season-ending surgery for his rotator cuff. It's a big blow to the Reds in terms of leadership and a guy who's just really fun to watch play baseball even when he's not hitting. Eduardo Escobar of the Mets, he also hit the IL with an oblique strain he can probably be dropped in most formats, but it does provide an interesting opportunity for Brett Batty, who was recently called up and who I'll mention again a little later on. Good news and bad news in Tigers land. You know, that's my home team. The good news is that Eduardo Rodriguez will be activated by
by the team to start against the Angels on Sunday. He's been real good in the minors, though that start now looks a little bit rougher than it did before with the return of Mike Trout, potentially. And slightly less good news, but not as bad news as it could have been, Tarek Skubal underwent successful flexor tendon surgery. That surgery usually has about a six to nine month recovery time, so we shouldn't expect Skubal back at the start of 2023, though he should return sometime in the first half. While there's always a chance for a setback, this injury, that flexor tendon issue that Skubal has, takes less time to return from than Tommy John, though it is worth noting that former Tiger Matthew Boyd had the same issue at the end of last season and has still not returned. And then finally, in terms of bad news for the Tigers, Austin Meadows was pulled from his rehab assignment and is being reevaluated in yet another setback for the left-handed outfielder that was traded at the beginning of the season uh, for Isak Paredes. Uh, Really just has been a rough year for Austin Meadows, a lost year, quite frankly, and hopefully we can see something like the player we saw in years past in 2023. As far as hitting performances from yesterday, Sean Murphy of the Oakland A's, he went three for five with a double, two home runs, three runs scored, and three RBI. And while the three doubles and four home runs this month should be more than enough to impress me, Murphy went above and beyond. He's posted a 10.3% walk rate and just a 15.5% strikeout rate as well. The improvement in Murphy's plate discipline has turned him from a batting average sinkhole, he hit 216 last season, to an actual contributor. And as far as catchers are concerned, Sean Murphy currently has a 251 batting average on the season, and it's been much better of late. Shohei Otani went four for five with a triple, a home run, two runs scored, and four RBI. Otani's really turned it on over the last nine games. He now has two triples and three home runs in that stretch with a 254 WRC+. Shohei Otani, the dual player, remains my top player in daily leagues, and I don't see that changing for a very long time. It's really hard to it's really hard to understate the value he has as both a pitcher and a hitter. Cal Rayleigh, catcher for the Seattle Mariners, went two for four with two home runs and three RBIs. Four home runs this month highlight Rayleigh's power, and he especially has that upside as a streamer, though he isn't much more than that as he really does have contact issues which come up all the time. Starling Marte of the Mets, he went three for five with two home runs, and while Marte's disappointed on the speed side with just 15 stolen bases so far this season after stealing 47 in 2021, these two home runs give Starling Marte 14 on the season. That's two more than he had last year, so at least you're getting some of the power back even if the speed isn't close to what he did last year, especially when he was with the A's. Jesse Winker of the Mariners, he went one for three with a home run, two runs scored, two RBI, and two walks. That's five home runs in Winker's last 13 games to go along with a 407 OBP, which is exactly the Winker we'd hoped he'd be at the start of the season. It's a bit late to salvage his season stat line overall, but Winker should be on your radar right now for power and OBP going forward. Alex Verdugo of the Boston Red Sox was a slow start to the season, but he went three for three last night with a double, three runs scored, an RBI, and two walks. And while Verdugo only has a single solitary home run in the second half, he's peppered 11 doubles with six of them coming in his last eight games. Brian Reynolds of the Pirates, he went two for four with a home run, two runs scored, and two RBI. Reynolds now has three homers to go with two steals and a 309, 424, 527 triple slash in August. Everything's really finally clicking for the Pirates outfielder. Francisco Lindor continued his absolutely amazing season after it was so bumpy to start out. He went two for five with a home run, two runs scored, and a stolen base. It was the only combo meal of the day, and Lindor has officially surpassed his season totals from 2021 in runs, home runs, RBI, and stolen bases. He's been an absolutely elite player this season, and Lindor could end the year with close to 30 home runs, 15 steals, and plus ratios across the board. J.D. Davis of the Giants, formerly a Met, he went two for three with a home run and a walk. This is Davis's second two-hit game this week, and if you're looking for a power streamer, just know that the Giants head to Colorado for the weekend, so really fire them up. Vaughn Grissom of Atlanta. 
He went two for four with two runs scored, three RBI, and a stolen base. His pace to open the season is absolutely insane. And while I think he has a very bright future, we need to remember that it's only been 32 plate appearances. And there's still adjustments that need to happen. So we'll really be watching that closely as we go forward, especially watch the strikeout rate, which he's done a lot better with the last two or three games. Brett Batty, who I mentioned earlier of the Mets, he went one for four with a home run and two RBI. It was a nice debut for the heralded young corner infielder who should see an uptick in playing time with Eduardo Escobar hitting the IL. I think he's worth an add in 12 teamers if you need a third baseman and he's definitely someone you should be watching as he is a highly regarded prospect and has plenty of power that he can offer at the at the third base position. Max Muncy went one for four with yet another home run in 53 August plate appearances. Muncy's hitting 340 with a 415 OBP and 830 slug. Thanks to already having six home runs on the month, Muncy's been frustrating, sure. But we've always known Muncy has this kind of explosive potential and it's happening at just the right time for anyone that was able to scoop him up. He is absolutely crushing the ball right now and he could keep it up for quite a while. And then I just have to throw him in. My guy, Akil Badu, he went one for four with a run and a stolen base. Badu now has two steals in his last six games with a 389 batting average and 450 OBP. He hasn't hit any extra base hits in that time and he's not really fantasy relevant outside of streaming for steals, but just let me have this. I'm really excited that Akil Badu is doing something and hopefully we can see more growth as the season progresses so that he can take this lost season and turn it into something much better in 2023. Starting pitching performances from yesterday, I'll start with Tony Gonsolin of the Dodgers. He went against the Brewers who have really struggled in August and he went seven innings pitched to get the win, zero earned runs, two hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. Everything was going right for Gonsolin in this one. As the line suggests, Gonsolin had all three breakers working with his slider curve and splitter, plus he had the fastball velocity coming in at a cool 94 miles an hour. Everything is firing on all cinders for Gonsolin. Nick Lodolo of the Reds, he went against the Phillies. He gets a no decision. He goes seven innings pitch, no earned runs, five hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Lodolo changed up his approach in this one, mostly sinkers and curveballs, with the curve getting whiffs and the sinker getting a heap of called strikes. There's some question over how repeatable this is, but it's a big step in the right direction for Lodolo. Ranger Suarez on the other side, he had a nice start as well. He got a no decision, but he went seven innings pitch with no earned runs, three hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. And really what we saw here was that the changeup was very well located, located, helping him navigate the dangers of Great American Ballpark. Suarez will take on these same Reds in his next start, and Lodolo will see the same Phillies, but this time it'll be in Philly, and so Suarez is a definite starter for that one. Lodolo as well could be a very good start in that. Ross Stripling came back from the IL for the Blue Jays. He went against the Orioles. It's a no decision. That's not his fault, though. He went 6.1 innings pitch, no earned runs, just one hit, no walks, seven strikeouts. Absolutely masterful. Only needed 72 pitches for Stripling to get through those seven, 6.1 innings. Stripling gets the Red Sox offense next, and Boston's had a real rough go of it lately, ranking as the seventh worst offense by WRC Plus in August. So I'll be more than happy to fire up Stripling for that game. Hopefully he can go closer to 85 to 90 pitching. Carlos Rodon of the Giants, he took down the Arizona Diamondbacks when six innings pitched, one earned run, two hits, two walks, 11 strikeouts. That was 18 whiffs on 106 pitches. The velocity was actually down to start this game, but it ramped up as it went on, and he ended up closer to his normal. And quite frankly, it was more than enough heat for Rodon to take down these lowly Diamondbacks, something I'll be watching for maybe a little, but I'm not overly concerned about it right now. Jordan Montgomery, the Bear, now of the St. Louis Cardinals, went against the Road Rockies. He got the win on 5.2 innings pitched, one earned run, six hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. It's weird that Montgomery had to leave New York to get wins, but here we are. The fastball command for Montgomery was spot on, and he should keep rolling in his next outing, which will be against the Cubs. Corey Kluber, speaking of the Yankees, of the Rays, he took down the New York Yankees on a note. It was a no decision, but he went six innings pitch, two earned runs, four hits, one walk, eight strikeouts. Wasn't enough for the race to win this game, but he did only need 90 pitches to do it at 39% CSW for Kluber, though it might be more of an indication of the current state of the Yankees hitting, but Kluber did what he needed to do, commanded his pitch and 
pitches more than well enough to take advantage. He's someone that when that command is on is really tough to hit against. So something very positive there. A couple more starts just to call them out. Framber Valdez of the Astros. He went against the White Sox. He got a win on seven innings pitch, two earned runs, seven hits, three walks, six strikeouts. Not a great whip, obviously, with 10 base runners in seven innings, but it's more than good enough. And you got plenty of strikeouts and the win to go with it. Eric Lauer was against Gonsolin, so he obviously didn't get the win. He actually got the loss, but again, not his fault. He went seven innings pitch, two earned runs, four hits, three walks, seven strikeouts. So real nice start for Lauer. And then Ronzi Contreras made a return to the rotation. Not a great one, though. He went against the Red Sox. He got the loss on six innings pitch, four earned runs, six hits, four walks, and just three strikeouts. But on the bright side, Ronzi Contreras' slider was filthy. The only problem is he had no command of anything else, and he's going to be too hard to trust right now in any format until he shows some kind of command going forward. And the relief pitching performances, Roman Wick bounced back from his blown save on Tuesday with a 14-pitch save Wednesday night and should have a very firm grip on the closer's role in Chicagoland, though a little bit more about who might be closing games today for the Cubs a little later on. Then Mark Melanson is still a thing, as seen by his 9-pitch save last night. I don't like any of the Diamondback closers enough to roster in a 10- or 12-team league, though. Mark Melanson's just one of them. And now, before we look at the day ahead, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show And we are back. Thanks so much for sticking around. Let's start the preview of today with the weather. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Well, as is typical on Thursdays, don't have a full schedule, but as been pretty typical for much of the summer, we have no weather issues today. So even though it's short slate, please feel free to play whoever you have, as I don't think there will be any delays or postponements. Have a good one. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate it as always. As far as starting pitching options for today, there's not a lot of good streaming options, folks, but there's two that I did try to call out. Number one, Josh Winkowski is filling in for Nathan Eovaldi as he is missing this start with the neck and shoulder issues, and it's against the Pirates, which is as good a time as any to get a cheap win, despite the fact that the Boston offense has struggled. And then Luis Patino is likely to only go about five innings or so for the Rays, but he's due for more strikeouts in the big leagues after his rocky debut in July, and the Royals could very well be the way Patino balances that ledger. I do think he can put up some strikeouts and potentially even get a win as long as he makes it through those five innings. As far as relief pitchers, you might vulture a save. Evan Phillips of the Dodgers should be in line for a save in the early game with Craig Kimbrell having thrown over 20 pitches on back-to-back nights. And then both Roldis Chapman and Scott Efros threw over 20 pitches last night. So if the Yankees choose to be conservative, they would likely turn to Jonathan Loisaga for a save, though with how badly they've played lately, they might choose to be more aggressive and throw uh, potentially Chapman or Efros back out there. And again, with Wick 
pitching on back-to-back nights for a total of 38 pitches, look for either Brandon Hughes, who's been a bit rough lately with two blown saves, or Michael Rucker, who doesn't have blown saves, to get the ball in the ninth if there's a save on the line. I think if I'm speculating, I'll go with Rucker just because he's pitched better lately, but either one could potentially get the save. And then on the hitting side, Luis Garcia, the pitcher for the Astros, has struggled of late, making a few White Sox look like really strong options. The one I'd call out the most is AJ Pollock, as he's likely to lead off and has hit really well in August. He just made a nice jump on the hitter list, if you were able to check that out on Wednesday. And then the Cubs aren't a great offense, but Spencer Watkins has given up at least three runs in three of his last four starts, making guys like Nick Madrigal, Fran Reyes and Nico Horner, attractive streaming options for today. And then fire up your Padres against Anibal Sanchez, who's allowed at least three earned runs in all six of his starts and multiple home runs in four of those six. Really any Padre that you can find that's hitting. For example, maybe Haseon Kim, who hit really well uh, yesterday and has been on a little bit of a roll, could be someone that could really just rack up hits. But any part of that lineup, I think, is going to be profitable in terms of a fantasy perspective. And with that, thank you so much for listening, folks. We really enjoy talking to you on the First Pitch Podcast. If you have any suggestions, advice, or anything you want to hear more about on this podcast, please let us know. We're more than happy to make adjustments if that's something that you want to hear about, especially as we get close to the fantasy playoffs. So again, please feel free to reach out. My name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Otherwise, have a great rest of your day. Keep enjoying fantasy baseball, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.